Hello, friends. It's me, the president of Chickenlandia. Did you know that I have a new book that is now available for purchase? You heard that right. It's called Let's All Keep Chickens, The Down-to-Earth Guide to Natural Practices for Healthier Birds and a Happier World. It's now available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, your local bookstore, and more. For more information on how you can grab your copy, just click the link in the show notes. It's so exciting, I can barely handle it. Okay, on with the show. Welcome to Chickenlandia's 100% friendly podcast, Bok Talk. This show will help you learn all about how backyard chicken keeping can be fun, entertaining, and stress-free. Here's your host, the president of Chickenlandia! Hello, friends. Welcome to Chickenlandia. And welcome to Bok Talk, your 100% friendly backyard chickens show. Oh my gosh. Is this real life? Is it? <laughs> I'm back. I'm back. Look, I tried so hard to to hide my U-Haul boxes, but as soon as I turn the the camera on, the YouTube camera on, there they are. There they are. The the my secret is out. We are still it, I, I'm still a hot mess trying to move, trying to unpack things. Many of you know I've been writing a book. I finally finished and now I'm back live from my new property. So thank you guys so much for sticking with me over the last few months. And here we are. Now, today we are going to talk about a super easy chicken checklist that you can go through daily, weekly, monthly to just make sure that your chickens are happy and healthy and also make sure that you are happy and healthy and not stressed out because you don't know what to do to take care of your chickens. (laughs) So, and I'm sure you all know what to do, but this is just kind of like, it just puts everything in order for you so that it'll be easier. Um, And I did get many questions over the last three months submitted through my website, welcome to chickenlandia.com. If you didn't hear back from me, I'm very sorry about that. It's been a really busy few months and I hope you guys understand But now I'm starting to get back into the questions. So if you want to submit a question, go to welcometochickenlandia.com, go to the contact section, and you can, there's like a little drop down menu. You can ask a chicken question. And you might want to submit a chicken story too, because I have a little something I'm going to share with you guys today, because I want to start sharing some chicken stories. So anyway, you know, thank you so much for sticking with me. And I've got videos that are coming soon next week. I should have a brand new video for you on my channel. So looking forward to that. Now I have two things that I want to mention to you guys before we get started. The first is that this podcast was brought to you by My Favorite Chicken. It is myfavoritechicken.com, which is my favorite place to get all my chicken goodies. I even got a chicken purse from there and I got like a chicken apron, but I also get my feed and my treats from there. So I love them. They've been really good to me. They've like been super loyal to me. So my, one of my favorite chicken businesses, small business, great people, myfavoritechicken.com. The second thing I want to mention guys 
is that many of you know I have a course. It is called Backyard Chickens 101, a chicken course for everyone. And I'm going to tell you guys a secret. There's going to be a Black Friday special coming up. Okay, so if you're on the fence about the course, Black Friday is coming. There's going to be a sale. You'll want to be on my mailing list. So go to my website. You can check out information about the course there and you can get on my mailing list. Okay, so Black Friday course specials. It's coming. (laughs) Okay, so I had mentioned months uh, a few months ago. Gosh, when was the last time I did a podcast like three months ago (laughs) that I was going to be sharing some chicken stories or some funny chicken questions that people sent to send to me. And I got a really funny one this week and I want to share it with you guys. It is from my friend Lachlan, who is a young listener and viewer. And he says, hello, my queen. (laughs) You don't have to call me queen, Lachlan, just Call me Madam President. (laughs) I have two hens and two Muscovy ducks. One's still a baby, so we really don't know its gender. I think we should have more hens, but my parents will only let me get more chickens if you tell me that I should have more. (laughs) Because you are the queen of Chickenlandia. Or because you are the queen of chickens and hopefully they will listen to you. Well, <laughs> Lachlan, you're a smart kid. <laughs> and uh, one thing I do want to tell you is that before you get more chickens, okay, this is really important. Make sure that both of your Muscovies are female, okay? Because you don't want a drake to be in with your chickens because that can be dangerous for chickens, Okay, a full-grown Muscovy can be dangerous with hens. So make sure that you know whether they're male or female before you get before you introduce more chickens into your flock. And then, of course, of course, I think that you should get more. Come on, parents. <laughs> but I will say, only only get more. If you have enough space and if you feel ready to be to take care of them properly. okay. if it's going to like stress you out or if it's going to stress your parents out, don't do it. So be responsible. Know what you can handle. And if you can get more. I I support you 100 (laughs) percent. Okay. (laughs) so thank you so much for your. Was that a question? I don't I don't know. Thank you so much for that, Lachlan. That was a lot of fun reading that. So I want to move on to the question that I'm here to answer today. And it is from Leslie. She submitted it through the website. And Leslie said, we are new to chicken keeping. We have seven hens, all around four to five months old. My three younger children help. She put help in. She would help in quotes, okay, because, you know, (laughs) they help every day. And I do the bulk of cleaning, feeding, tending, you know, it's the the same old story. (laughs) I think a chicken coop checklist would help organize our routine. Do you have a checklist to share with me daily, weekly, monthly? Any help would be greatly appreciated. 
and I wouldn't have to keep reminding my children what to do. Well, as a mom myself, I definitely want to make things easier for you, Leslie. So let's just go through a very simple checklist because I am 100% for keeping chicken keeping easy and accessible because throughout the ages, it is it has been just second nature to humankind. Okay, so that's what we want to do. We want to make it easy, stress-free. It needs to feel natural, okay? Because that's what it is. It's perfectly natural. So let's start with what to do daily. Definitely, you want to let them out, depending on how much space you have in the coop. If you have a lot of space in the coop, you can get away with leaving them in the coop for a little while in the morning while you, you know, press the snooze button. (laughs) But if they only have enough room in the coop uh, to roost, then you definitely want to let them out at dawn. Okay. So you let them out at dawn and soon after. That's the the first thing that you want to do. Make sure that waterers and feeders are cleaned and refreshed. Now, this depends on what kind of waterers and feeders you have and how many chickens you have. Sometimes you might not need to top off the feeders. Um, Of course, if you like I ferment feed, so I feed my chickens as much as they eat a day. So my routine is a little bit differently, but different. But I know most people free feed their chickens. So check and make sure they have food. Check and make sure that their waterers are clean. It is a really good idea to every day remove any fecal matter that is in the nesting boxes. You know, if you have chickens, some people have chickens that sleep in the nesting boxes. And I know that's like, uh, you know, people think of it as like a big no-no. But I have old chickens and I have chickens that have special needs. I have some chickens that are, I, I swear, like the the frizzles and the silkies. They really like to sleep in a cozy spot and a lot of them don't like to roost. So if you have that, then there might be some poop in the nesting boxes and you don't want the nesting boxes to get poopy and dirty. So stay on top of that. Check your nesting boxes. Of course, collect your eggs. Check their oyster shell and their grit. So you want to make sure that they have oyster shell or another calcium supplement. If you are, some people like to crush up their eggshells and feed them back to them. Make sure that that that's available for them. And if you live in an area where they're in an enclosed run, uh, depending on the terrain where you are, you might want to sprinkle some grit. So if you're, if you live in an area where you have to give them grit, some people don't because there's grit in their environment, little pebbles and little, you know, even coarse sand that they can eat. And what that does is, it basically chew, it goes to their gizzard and that's what chews their food. So it's really important. Um, even if your chickens only get chicken feed, you do want to make sure that they have access to grit either naturally or you provide it. So make sure they have grit and oyster shell. And then one thing that's really important is that every day you just spend some time observing your chickens and everybody pretty much does this anyway. But you might you may want to add it mindfully to your list. Observe your chickens for any kind of abnormalities, injuries, behave, strange behaviors that don't seem right. Um, if one of them is looking sick or something, these are the kind of things that you want to observe every day. 
and make sure that if you need to remove a chicken from your flock, you can do that. Okay. Another thing that I like to do every day is spot clean the roosts. Now, what I do is I keep a, uh, a paint scraper in my coop and every day I'll just scrape. If there's poop on the roost, I'll just scrape it off. And it literally takes like a minute or less. But if you do it every day, it just doesn't get like super overwhelming where it's like, oh my gosh, the roosts are like really caked with poop. And, you know, you don't want that. You want it to be easy. And of course, when it gets dark, you want to close them up. And it is pretty important to close them up at dusk because there are critters that will hunt during the twilight hours and they can be very active, especially this time of year and in the early spring. Okay. Raccoons are a big one. Like they can come out and you won't, you won't realize it and they can get to your chickens before you close them up. So get out there at dusk and lock them up. Now there's of course, optional things. You can give them herbs every day. Like I have, um, some immune burst boosting herbs that I give them. You can buy them herbs uh, pre-packaged. I know Scratch and Peck has one. It's called um, Cluck and Good Herbs, I think. <laughs> I think it's called that. And I use that one a lot. But also, I'll just give them, you know, I'll grow oregano and thyme. And those are like such powerhouses when it comes to like immunity um, and just general well-being that I will give them that uh, and, you know, so I go through phases. Sometimes I'm really good and I give it to them every day. And sometimes I forget. So, <laughs> but if you're giving them immune, immune boosting herbs, you can add that to your list. So this is the daily list. Let them out at dawn or soon after. Make sure their waterers and feeders are cleaned and refreshed. Remove fecal matter or debris from their nesting boxes and uh, make sure they have oyster shell and grit. Observe them for abnormalities. Spot clean as necessary, especially the roosts, and close them up at dusk. Okay? That's your daily list. Okay, so let's go on to the weekly part of your checklist. Now, at, le at least once a week, if you haven't done it daily, Remove the fecal matter from roosts and nesting boxes. You will want to replace nesting box material probably weekly uh, as needed, but probably once a week you'll want to replace your nesting box material. Of course, I use nesting pads and I find I can stretch them out pretty well if I make sure that I am cleaning that, you know, uh, getting the poop off of them. And I can usually just like, flick it off <laughs> every day, then I can get away with sometimes like three weeks. So if you know, it, every situation is different, but usually if you just have like uh, shavings in the nesting box, you may need to clean that out weekly, clean out your gravity waterers or your nipple waterers. If you are using them, uh, if you haven't been doing it daily, clean them out at least once a week. You will want, if you have dust baths, refresh your dust baths as needed. 
And if you haven't seen, I do have a video called oh, it's like DI. What is it called? I, I never remember the names of my videos. It's like DIY dust bath, how to make your own chicken dust bath, something like that. It's a video about making dust baths for your chickens, which is really important right now. Because right now we're in the middle of lice and mite season. It's like parasite season. So whenever they're molting, which is usually right now, they might be heading towards the end of their molt right now, but they are super uh, vulnerable to parasites, both external and internal. So it's a really good time to make sure that they have dusting areas because that's how they bathe. Okay. And that's how they get parasites off their bodies. That's how they control it. So dust bathing areas. And like I said, I've got a video about that, that I will link in the show notes and in the comments, I mean, and in the uh, description. Uh, If you're doing a weekly herbal parasite prevent prevention, then you will want to do that. You'll want to remember to do that weekly and add that. Uh, There are, I use one called Molly's Herbals, and I think that I have to do it weekly. I I stopped doing it for a little while. I'm starting again. And then there's part of it that I do once a month. So uh, if you're doing that, you can add that to your chicken checklist. So monthly, probably you need to deep clean your coop. Okay. It depends on how many chickens you have. Uh, certainly anytime you smell ammonia in your coop, it's, it's time to clean your coop. Um, if you're doing deep litter, then you can do a really thorough cleaning of the roosts and the nesting boxes and all, you know, you can wipe everything down, all that. Uh, if you're not doing deep litter, then definitely once a month, you're going to want to clean up if possible, depending on how many chickens you have. It is a great practice Monday uh, monthly to check over each chicken for external parasites, for injuries, um, or for any other problems. And the easiest way to do this, guys, is to get yourself a little headlamp, okay? And I got this, oh gosh, I got this from another YouTuber and I cannot remember. Chicken Hughes, I think, Chicken Hughes, Chicken H-U-E-S. Uh, she was really active. I don't know if she's still posting videos, but there was one uh, video where she treats all of her chickens for parasites and she goes out with a headlamp after dark and it's just, it's brilliant. It's so easy if you do that because not all of us have super tame chickens that like to be held and checked over for parasites. So a great thing to do is to go out there after it's dark, your chickens are on the roost, You've got your headlamp on. You can, if if you can walk into your coop, you just walk into your coop or you can pluck them off the roost and check them over one at a time to see if you're dealing with any external parasites. Um, and then you can treat them as needed. So, and, and then also just like check and see what their condition is. Uh, you know, are they, do they have like a super poopy butt that you need to handle? <laughs> are, are they injured? How do their combs and waddles look? These are all things that you really want to, you know, of course you want to keep an eye for these things every day, but if you can, if you have, if it's manageable for you, then it's great once a month to really check them over. And if you can't, like if you have 50 chickens, like don't feel guilty. Okay. You're doing enough. You're doing enough for the uh, chicken community. If you've got 50 chickens, (laughs) 
All right. So thank you so much, Leslie, for your question. I hope that helped a little bit. I probably should have numbered them for you, but I didn't. <laughs> so that's the, my, that's my simple chicken checklist. And if you have any ideas of things that, hey, you know what? You should add this to the chicken checklist. Send it over. Go to my website. Welcome to chickenlandia.com. Go to the contact section and send me a little message and let me know what you think. Okay, guys, I'm going to open up the chat for some questions. So Anna, Hannah asks, what is the bedding you use in the nest boxes? So I use nesting pads from My Favorite Chicken. That's at myfavoritechicken.com. They're nesting pads and they have aromatic herbs in them because that is how bougie my chickens are. <laughs> Now, of course, you can totally do that yourself. You can grow herbs. You can use an old towel and you can clean it like you can wash it and reuse it. That's a great nesting material. Or you can just use shavings or straw. Uh, um, Some people use like hemp, pine uh, or aspen. Some people use, especially right now, there's leaves falling from the trees. Some people use leaves in their nesting boxes and some people use pine needles so it's you know as long as it's natural it's not dangerous to them it's comfortable then I'm you know I think you've got lots of options but I do love my nesting boxes I mean my nest I love my nesting boxes I got those from my favorite chicken too and I love my nesting pads oh patch uli I like that name (laughs) Uh, asks, what is the best way to train dogs to be around chickens? Well, I will tell you, I am not a a dog training expert. Uh, I would definitely defer that question to people that do that for a living. I, my dogs are not uh, great ambassadors for chicken safe dogs. (laughs) I have, I have five dogs. They are all rescues. They are all very small. One of them's a little over four pounds and the biggest one is probably about 13 pounds. They just can't, can't be trusted. So I have to keep my dogs and my chickens separate, which is, is easy. I just have my chickens in an enclosed run um, and my dogs stay in a fenced area. So yeah, uh, I would definitely consult with a trainer to help you with that. I know, you know, some techniques I don't, I don't really agree with, but the, you know, the more positive that you can be, the better, you know, and sometimes you have to tell your dog, no, and <laughs> I'm not, I'm not against that, but, um, uh, I think good old common sense, like making sure that they're around chickens from a young age if possible, and that you can be there to lead the way is a, is great. And then there's some breeds that are just, it's really hard for them or they have a prey drive, And it's really hard for them to overcome that. And that's okay. That's just, well, some dogs are just like that. So yeah, I would, I would consult a, a dog professional, a, uh, the, the president of dog landia. Are you out there? (laughs) Okay. Stone church farms has a question. When do I add heat to my coop? So I have a, a, a video that I did this, um, that, that I did about this last year. And of course, I don't remember the name of the video. 
I think, oh, it's called like how to keep your chickens alive in winter. I got real, I got real dramatic with that one. <laughs> uh, and I do talk about, you know, the possibility of needing to heat your coop. Now, I will tell you right now that most people will say unequivocally, never, never heat your coop. It doesn't matter where you live. It doesn't matter what kind of chickens you have. Never, ever heat your coop. And I understand where they are coming from because in most cases, you do not need to add supplemental heat to your coop. Now, there are exceptions. It depends on how old your chickens are. If your chickens are very young, let's say they're ju- they've just been fully feathered, even if they have all their feathers and it's below freezing outside, you can't just throw your, your chicks, even if they're eight weeks old and have full, you know, all their feathers, you can't just throw them out there in that kind of weather. That, that shock in temperature could, could and very likely will kill them. If you have very old chickens, some people have old, you know, I just had, I just lost a chicken. Uh, her name was Ducky. And I don't even know how old she was. And sometimes when they get older, they're more vulnerable to temperature changes, to temperature drops, to prolonged low temperatures. And in that case, you may need to to supplement some supplement some heat or either bring them inside at night, which is what I usually do. Um, and then if you have some exotic breeds from Indonesia that are not, <laughs> you know, they just don't have what it takes to get through your Minnesota winter, then you might need to supplement heat in your coop. If it has been below 15 degree, b- below negative 15 for a prolonged period of time, you might need to s- supplement heat in your coop. Or if you just are in a situation where it's really hard for you for whatever reason, it could be coop design, it could be the climate that you live in, and you're just not able to regulate the amount of moisture in your coop because moisture in winter, moisture is the enemy. Okay, oh, I don't like to think of things as enemy enemies, but uh, <laughs> you got to work with the world, you know. Uh, but moisture is what you really have to keep an eye on because when the moisture levels are high, when condes- condensation is high in your coop, that's when frostbite becomes a problem. So, and that's when respiratory issues can become a problem. And that's when ammonia can become a problem. So these are the things like if you're just struggling and you just can't keep that moisture level down um, and you're having problems with respiratory issues, with frostbite, then I, then I, it's okay. And, and, and you know, there's, they, they, it is debated in the chicken world, like world hunger. Okay. <laughs> But it is okay if you need to supplement heat in your coop. Now, I cannot in good conscience say to use a heat lamp because, and I understand they're, they're, they're cheap, they're accessible, and that's why I hate speaking against them, but they're also a fire hazard. And even just the development of dust on them can make them combust and you don't, they will catch fire or sometimes they'll just explode. Okay, so you don't want to take that chance. A lot of people do. I I do recommend against it. There are panel heaters 
radiant heaters that are made specifically for chicken coops. And so, and, and they're pretty, like, there's a, a range of prices. There's one that's pretty reasonable, and then there's one that's more expensive. Um, and, and sometimes you can get them used if you, if you look, if you take the time to really look, um, start early, start looking for one early. But that's what I would recommend using. Or if you can't do that, you know, if you, if you can, you can put them in the garage overnight when it's, like, really cold. But most of the time, remember... Chickens are wearing a big down coat, and if you were to take the temperature inside the coop, you would find that it's probably a good 10 degrees higher than it is outside. Okay, so where I live, there's really not a reason. I might have to do it if I have one chicken that's pretty vulnerable, but I'm going to try not to. Miss Superconductor, (laughs) Miss Superconductor asks, what about diatomaceous earth? Oh my gosh. Those of you that have been following me for a while, you know that I have been, uh, that I go on my diatomaceous earth rants a lot. So I am somebody that does use diatomaceous earth. And this is another one of those hot topic buttons <laughs> that um, can really upset people. People get angry. They argue about it because there, there are those that just feel that the level of risk that diatomaceous earth presents is too much for them. And I will say that there is, there is a level of risk, just like with almost everything, it's risk versus risk. So you, you get all the information and then you decide what level of risk you're willing to absorb. So uh, there are two kinds of diatomaceous earth. There is amorphous diatomaceous earth and there is crystalline diatomaceous earth. Okay. Amorphous diatomaceous earth is used in so many things. We come in contact with it probably every day. It's in our food. It's in our toothpaste. It's in our makeup. It's it's in a lot of things. It's, it's used as anti-caking agents in animal feeds. So the thing about it is that it has not been shown to... to um, to create a long-term, uh, it, with exposure, it is not shown to have an adverse effect on the lungs. The lungs will just expel it out. But uh, crystalline diatomaceous earth does have a negative effect on the lungs. And it has been exposed to high heat either through, you know, human industry because it's used in filtration or like volcanic heat. Okay, so crystalline diatomaceous earth, you do not want to use. It doesn't have an effect on insects. You could find a big, huge bag of it at Lowe's or at Home Depot, and it's cheap. And you might think, oh, my gosh, I'm going to use this. Do not use that. That is for filtration. It is not for is it is it is not an insecticide. And it's also bad for you. And it's bad for chickens with prolonged exposure. Okay. So food grade diatomaceous earth, it it is amorphous diatomaceous earth, and it can't have more than 1% of crystalline in it to be labeled as food grade. So whenever you use diatomaceous earth, you always get the food grade kind. Okay. Now, some people will say, well, it, it could have some crystalline in it. So that that's what I'm not willing to That's why I'm not willing to use it. And that's fine. I think that's that's reasonable if that's where you're coming from. Now, you know, I said it was risk versus risk. So what I think of is like, okay, is this small possible small amount of crystalline? 
that chickens would need long-term exposure to. So, you know, they would, they would need, it's like people working in factories with it. Like they have problems or they can get problems. You know, is that level of risk more than the risk of, you know, getting external parasites or using some other product that is uh, synthetic and also carries with it another, you know, other, other risks. So when I'm weighing that, I feel comfortable using diatomaceous earth. Now, one thing about it, it, you know, it can hurt bees. It can hurt beneficial um, insects. It can hurt, you know, microorganisms in, in your chicken yard. And you want those things. You, you want there to be a good, healthy microbiome in your chicken yard. So um, I only use it on my chickens in the dust bath or in the coop if I'm, if I'm using it. Okay. Because you just don't want, I've seen people just put it all over their yard and I don't, I don't recommend that. Okay. Because it's, you know, you don't want it to hurt the bees. We got to take care of the bees. Okay, guys, I, I'm, I apologize, but I'm going to take one more question. It is from NJ, you are not alone. And they ask, how do I treat Bumblefoot? So I do have a podcast that I recorded um, earlier. I think it was earlier this year about treating Bumblefoot. Um, and I'm sorry if you're dealing with it. It's ugh, like, ugh, it's like one of those things when you discover it, you're like, okay, here we go. I got to deal with this. You know, traditionally people will say you've got to cut it open and get the infection out and pull the plug out and all that stuff. I do not recommend performing that surgery, certainly not as your first line of uh, treatment. It is invasive. Anytime you cut open and create a wound, you run the risk of introducing more infection into that area where, you know, where your chicken already has this infection. And also bumblefoot is a staph infection. Like you really don't want to be dealing with that and introducing that into your environment because we can get staff too. You know, I, I made a joke and I've talked about this before, <laughs> but, uh, I, every year I don't, I didn't do it last year, um, for obvious reasons, but, uh, I do seminars and I did one at the, the, uh, local, uh, home and garden show. And I had like, I had like a, an abscess on my, on my finger and I couldn't get my ring off. And so I had to go, I had to go to the, uh, to the urgent care. And I was like, I've got this thing on my finger. I can't get my ring off. And I mean, I was panicked because my, my finger was like really swollen. And you know, when you get like that, like, oh my God, I'm like, I've got to get it off right now. And you start to like, the panic is like worse than what's actually going on. That's, that's me. That's what I do. <laughs> so she was like, the, the doctor was like, oh, it's a staph infection. So I was like, oh gosh, you know, and I almost didn't get to do the seminar. I was going to have to call them and, and, but it, she was able to like get the infection out and, and I was able to get my ring off. <laughs> and I just thought to myself, like, I almost didn't get to do this because I had, I had like bumblefoot and like the, the human equivalent of bumblefoot on my finger. So it does happen. You can get a staph infection and we don't want that. So 
Here is what I recommend. First of all, get yourself some Epsom salts, get the chicken and soak their foot in warm Epsom salt water for as long as they will tolerate that. And you're going to want to do that every night, really give them a good soak. And you're just trying to like pull the infection out. You're trying to draw it out. And there is a drawing salve that I use. It is called PRID, P-R-I-D. It is for humans. It is homeopathic drawing salve. And you slather that on the, you know, their pad where the bumble foot is. And then you wrap it up with, with vet wrap. And if you can, you know, keep them inside during this time, because if you put them outside, a lot of times they can get that bandage like really dirty and gross and you don't want that. And you also don't want them picking it off. So you want to keep a, a good eye on them and give them a friend if possible to hang out with them because they, they will get lonely. And I would do that every night. Try for at least a week to pull that infection out. And what should happen is it should just come out on its own or be very easy to just remove without surgery. Okay. And I've seen people have really good results with this. I have also seen situations where people did the surgery and it just kept coming back. So I would at least, at least try to get it out to remove the infection in a non-invasive way before you go cutting it open, you know, with the scalpel. Okay. And that's also painful for the chicken and everything, although they seem to hand tolerate it very well. I would try that first and then let me know what happens. Okay, guys, I know there were more questions and I'm sorry I did not get to them. Remember, you can submit a question by going to my website, welcome to chickenlandia.com, going to the contact section and then choosing Ask a Chicken Question. And tell me your chicken stories, too, while you're at it. <laughs> I want to thank you guys so much for joining me today. Thank you to my moderators, 13 Moons Homestead. Go check out her channel. And, of course, the Chickenlandia Presidential Advisor, who is my, my consultant, great chicken, land, chicken expert. Thank you so much for talking to Crows, for editing this episode. And thank you to Double M Ranch for her beautiful podcast, Art. If you enjoyed this, remember to rate and review it. And also, I want you to remember, guys, if you forget everything else, remember this. You're always welcome in Chickenlandia. It's so good to be back, guys. We'll see you next time. Bye. Dahlia Monterosso, also known as the president of Chickenlandia, is a backyard chicken educator in Northwest Washington. To submit your question to Bok Talk, visit WelcomeToChickenlandia.com. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.